Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to episode 89 of Double Hot Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and craft beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. Today, we are going to be talking about strange ways that people have used brewing ingredients and beer over the centuries. But first, we're going to take a pulse of our home brewing and craft brewery trips. It's start of summer, so you know, it's start of brewery season. <laughs> I guess it's always brewery season. Well, you know, with the nicer weather out, it's also easier with us, with our daughter, to go to breweries mm-hmm. as well. It's with the nice weather, we don't have to worry about being cooped up inside. And, you know, it's just a nice time to enjoy some craft beers at some new breweries. And yeah. also, if you're on vacation, you know, have a couple beers while you're on vacation. Yeah, as we always say, it's a great way to see a city. Or place you're staying at. Go check out the local breweries. It's probably the first thing we do. It is. It's definitely on my list of what what can I do Googling. Search. As well as if we're staying at a hotel of like looking at, all right, is there any breweries walking distance from the hotel? Yes. I've never, I don't think we've ever purposely booked a hotel based off its proximity, but it's definitely a bonus. Yeah. So coming off home brewing. Mm-hmm. I have a session IPA and another one recipe just completed. So I will be working on brewing those in the upcoming week or so. And I'm just following up on that New England IPA disaster brew day that I've talked about on a previous episode where I didn't know how it was going to come out. It was the first beer I've used lactose in. I also had to use some DME to kind of spike up my original gravity a little bit and make sure that... I didn't end up with a weak or not very full beer. So it actually came out better than I expected. It came out at 8.2% mm-hmm. and super drinkable. And it's almost milk. I would call it a milkshake IPA. And yeah. I think that plays a lot into that addition of the lactose that I did. And I was excited to use it because I was like, well, if it doesn't turn out, then you know at least I have an experiment where I can see what adding lactose does to my beer and it really did add a smoothness to the beer it really made it thick if i could describe it in one way but not thick in a bad way thick in a nice milkshake hazy ipa yeah i enjoyed it you hoard it all for yourself but (laughs) yeah and and the neighbors seem to enjoy it too a little heavy for them i think alcohol wise but you know, yeah. I, I just say it's not an everyday drinker, but it's a it's a nice IPA if you want something to really hit you hard. Yeah, you were very excited about it when you tried it. So I think it's one of my first ones that I've actually just continuously just been working on the keg. Working on the keg. Working on the keg, you know. Keg can't sit for a while. <laughs> Don't want to waste that beer. Got to work on that keg. And I've also been canning a lot of it to try and mm-hmm. get the packaging down of using the tap cooler from the tap and just making sure I can dial in the pressure, counter pressure going into the cans and then see which ones keep the pressure and which ones don't. And Shannon, I think your disaster beer also turned out way better than we thought. Because we first tried it and we tried, so we used, I think we mentioned on the previous one we've talked about it is we did four tablets for carbonation in some bottles and five in others for the, what, 12 ounce? Yeah, so I think the recommendation on the package itself is three to five for a 12-ounce bottle, Mm -hmm. and then you would assume you could double it if you're doing a 22-ounce. Yeah, so we did a couple that were four, a couple that were five, and then for the 22, I think we did all of them nine. And so the first one we tasted, the first bottle, we spoke about 
was the five tablet. And I think the issue really is just over carbonation. It had that kind of funky, like it had the carbonation bite yeah. of if you over carbonate your beer, what it, all those homebrewers out there that have had that happen and mm-hmm. trying to nail down what happened to the beer. That's likely what you did is you had, you definitely over pressurized your keg and put way too much CO2 in. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where once you do it, you can't reverse it. So yeah. <laughs> a lot of the recommendations is to over, if you're going to under. use forced carbonation is to under carbonate and you can always add CO2 yeah. in the solution after. However, for this, in this case, these were tablets. So this is mm-hmm. naturally carbonating in the bottles. So there's no going back. So it's like a, yeah. you get a one try and that's it. So these smaller batch beers like you have been doing have been great to do experiments on. All right. For this style beer, for this recipe, this carbonation works perfectly. And again, there's, yeah. there is a chart that you can look at to see how many volumes of CO2 you should get for certain styles and certain beers, but we're not that technical. We don't well, I think it was also just that. good to do some trial and error because it was a smaller batch and we were only, I think we only got six, six 12 ounce bottles and then two 22 ounce bottles. So that was your one gallon Pico, yes. Pico miss. Pico real. fail. Pico fail. Yes. So we were just kind of like, let's experiment with it. It might not be good anyway. So why not just, you know, see what tablets are actually going to taste the best. And so the four tablet is definitely the way to go. And the nine tablet in the larger bottles was fine that I would do nine again, but if I had to do it over. I've done four in all of them. And since it was not over carbonated, I could definitely taste with the Azaka hops with the Azaka hops, that fruity flavor, but also the grassy flavor that comes through sometimes. Like I feel like I definitely got the full flavor profile without the over carbonation. Yeah. And I think this is one of those ways that hops can really improve a base, what you would say, maybe a base blonde. Yeah. It was pretty uh, basic. But again, this was a variation of our blonde recipe that we've done before, mm-hmm. but we've been slightly changing it bit by bit to make it a little different to even so it can play better with the hops. And it's, I think it's a good balance between if you're looking for a beer that's light and also has like that fruitiness, but also has some of that hop character mm-hmm. to it without being bitter and have some of the harsh flavor profiles that you would have with hops if you're going to use them in the boil. So again, mm-hmm. this was ma- mainly a dry hop, heavy dry hop with Azaka, and I just loved what it did to the blonde. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it's all gone, so I guess it was. <laughs> so that one gallon was successful, so we'll bump yeah. it up to five and go from there. Yeah. See what happens. And then my sour is almost done in secondary fermentation. So I'm excited to transfer that over, get some final gravity on it and see how it tastes after carbonation. You're anxiously waiting because then you have another sour in the works that will be on the big system. Yes, this will be because my last one was extract. So my next one will be all green and a raspberry sour. We're using the Philly sour yeast again. Yeah. Woohoo. Yeah. Gotta use that Philly sour. I know. Excited. And I'm excited to see how it uh, comes out with the Philly sour. It's the first time I'm using it. So hopefully the next time we chat, I'll have an update on how the Philly sour did. And I will hope that it'll be all drank before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need no sour, sour beer hanging around. You want to take up your space. Don't want to take up the precious cargo space in our multiple kegerators, refrigerators, storage vessels. You just don't want it in the house. You're prejudiced against sours. Maybe a little. <laughs> I, I haven't had a sour the sour yet to convince me otherwise. So 
but I'm still willing to try it. I'm willing to try. Okay. I'm glad to hear you're still open-minded. But we were out and about. So again, we were homebrewing, but then we needed a little break. So we went out nice down Cape Cod and we got to go to our usual spot of Hog Island down in Brewster, Mass. Yep. And we always have to get the oysters while we're there. And my favorite, the Outermost IPA. And you had the... had the summer. The summer. The mm-hmm. summer. I had the summer. I had the summer. It's almost summertime, so I had the summer. Well, they don't have a lot of non-IPAs. At least they right. didn't when we were there. So I went for the summer. And they also have cocktails. So it's really nice for people who don't drink beer as well can go and enjoy. Because our went with your brother and his wife and... They both got non-beer, so. Yeah, it was, it was good. All-inclusive. All-inclusive. <laughs> all, all, All-inclusive. And then we had the pleasure coming when we were going home from the Cape. We had stopped at the Treehouse location in Sandwich. Now, this was a location that we've been to before just for cans to go. At the time, their indoor seating still wasn't done, and they were still working on the outside. But this time, mm-hmm. everything was fully operational. They opened, I believe, at some point last summer. And then over the off-season, they did a, a renovations inside and then added a very nice outdoor seating area, which is right on the water. Well, not right on the water, but it's the beach is there. And so it's a very fun summer beachy vibe. I mean, I don't think you can get any closer yeah, I mean, there's to like the a, beach or the water legally if you're a There's brewery, like beach so. plum bushes. And it's the literally beach the beach. The water. <laughs> the the dune, little bit of a dune with the all the big bushes that are like the, like sea- the beach plums. Beach, yeah. And then the Adirondack chairs from mm-hmm. Treehouse and then the building. Yeah. And so we, knowing how popular Treehouse is in general, and now they have, I believe, three locations. So they have the Charlton one, the one in Sandwich, and then I believe they built another one kind of like a little bit more Western Mass. There's um, a lot of locations that are popular popping up and yeah. they're also buying real estate and they're doing golf courses and yeah all so kinds they're of things definitely now, expanding so. and we anticipated it would be busy especially with the holiday weekend and just it's treehouse like we know how busy the charlton location gets so it's obviously going to be busy so we tried to get there as early as possible and so for those people looking to maybe check out this location we just have some couple of tips and some things to keep in mind if you're going to go but also what did what did you get when I didn't actually see what you ordered because we were trading oh. off of going inside. <laughs> well, so I got the Parfait Mango, which was... That was an IPA though, right? I yes, think, I yes. got that one. Yeah, it was wow. an IPA. And then I also You heard it got... again, folks. You got another IPA. <laughs> well, the word mango was in it. So, And it was kind of like a milkshake type beer. So, And I had their sour. It was a f- very fruity sour. Yeah, and I so went I with that. the approach of trying something new and experimental from them first before I went to my tried and true. So I started with their Juice Project Galaxy 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 Double IPA, 8.7%. It really highlights the Australian hop of Galaxy. And Galaxy used to be one of those hops where you could get it pretty cheap as a home brewer because at the time Citra was the go-to hop and the most popular hop. And then people started stubbing out Citra for Galaxy. And then, like myself, really liked it and started buying more and more Galaxy. And so this is just one of my favorite hops. But I wouldn't, I don't spend, 
I don't get Galaxy hops anymore just because they've gone up so much in price. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you do get to brew with Galaxy, it is a kind of a special brew. So I really wanted to try this one because anything from Treehouse for Juice Project is usually phenomenal, especially if you're a hop fan and you like IPAs. Usually they'll really go crazy with the amount of hops that they put into these. So that's definitely a beer that I would suggest. It's very juicy as well. But then I had to go to my tried and true, which was the green IPA. That's the name of it, green. And it's an American Mm -hmm. IPA. And it's seven and a half percent. And so again, one of the I'm gonna start with the tips and tricks of choosing the beers that you're gonna pick wisely because (laughs) they do limit you to two or three two. Is well, it two? You, two you can only buy two drink tickets at a time. And then I believe you can only of, purchase, you can only have three marks on your wristband. Yes. You get a certain allotment. And once you hit that allotment, you're done. Like, forget it. So I always like to try something on the menu that you can't get to go in cans or something that's seasonal or something that they don't have very often to start. And usually those will be in the lower vol- ounces that you can get. So you mm-hmm. can for the same, you know, tick mark on your wristband, you could either get, you know, a full pour 16 ounce, you could get a 12 ounce, and it's moderated based on the alcohol content of that beer. So again, I started with the 8.7%, which was, I think it was a 12 ounce pour, it might have been Mm -hmm. less than that, I think it was a 12 ounce. And then I went with the green, which the green was a nice tall 16 ounce, believe, and that was because it was seven and a half percent. So that was even the bartender was like, this is the best uh, bang for your buck because you know it's seven and a half percent it's delicious it's awesome but you get more of that beer for the same uh, mm-hmm. tick mark they also had a pilsner or something in bottles and that you could get two for one so i don't know what that was all about i didn't get a chance to really look into it because i was trying to get back downstairs as quick as possible but i yeah. did notice they had Something in a bottle, you can get two for one. Yeah. And as you mentioned, like they can get slammed and it did Mm -hmm. get super busy from after we were there for maybe a half hour. And after that half hour, it got slammed. And just shout out to the bartenders over at Treehouse and Sandwich, Phil and Lauren. You guys managed that crowd very well. We're very knowledgeable and just had everybody answer their questions and really gave a good vibe behind the bar. So shout out to you guys. Yeah, and so the way that it works, and this is true for their Charlton location as well, is you have to purchase your drink tickets online in advance. And then when you get there, you go check in at the respective door. So at Charlton, it's just the main entrance. And then at Sandwich, you go to their da- the downstairs area of the building, and they'll scan your QR code, check your ID, give you your drink tickets, and then give you a bracelet. And the bracelet is what they mark every time you get a drink with your drink ticket. So it's very efficient And then once you're, you know, once you've got your drink tickets and your band, you can just go up to the bar and grab whatever you want. So no more checking IDs at the bar or anything like that. So it's very efficient. And like James said, the bartenders get people through quick. And I think uh, this location only had about, I want to say, I didn't count specifically, but I think there was about 15 beers on tap. Whereas if you go to their Charlton location, like you can get any of their beers. Yeah. There's tons of beer so i think it was more efficient as well because there was less options there yeah and it also looked like they did have a bar downstairs as well but that was not open on the day that we went so i don't know if they just do that for private events or if it's Mm -hmm. there just in case they need it um so if you've been to treehouse 
and sandwich, and they've been serving out of that downstairs bar, just DM us and let us know. It looks like there was also coffee down there, so I don't know if that's a different... So it might be something else. Yeah, I don't know. But it was very nice. Like I said, they did renovations over the off-season, and it just was all white, basically. It had a very Cape Beach have vibe. have a very beach vibe without all the knickknacks and yeah, like the seagulls everywhere. Yeah, like the whitewash. The death traps hanging from ceilings, yeah. like lobster traps and stuff. And they had none of that. It was just very well, tastefully done. And I do want to say another tip is parking. So when you get to this location, there's kind of a somewhat large parking spot, maybe like 20 to 50 spots on the left side of the building. And that's mostly for the beach parking itself, which is a big misconception that a lot of people go there and try and park in that. And then they're told they can't and they get very angry. So just be mindful of that. Or if you do want to go to the beach and then you walk over, because there is a path from the beach to the brewery, you know, at your discretion. But a big tip. So I knew going in from when we picked up cans, there would be single spots lined up in front of the brewery where there would be the cans to go, where if you're just getting cans to go, this parking spot's dedicated only for that. But then as you continue down, driving down that road to the right, it just continues on, but there's no spots marked, but that's kind of where Treehouse allows you to park, or at least they were on the day that we went. So we had gotten the spot right next to the pickup line and their parking staff or staff that handles their beers to go So their staff that handles the beer to go are really excellent also at helping you get a spot as well. So if you're patient and you wait there and we even let the part them know when we were leaving, like, hey, we're leaving if someone needs our spot. They're like, great, thank you. Like, we have a guy waiting right now. Like, I'll let him know that you're going to be pulling out. So they're really good at trying mm-hmm. to help everybody's experience while also not having to do that. That's not their job to be a parking attendant. Their job is to get the cans to go, get Mm -hmm. those orders running smoothly. So I just really appreciate that, that they were just loving their job, like loving the experience and willing to help their customers out to that extent of making sure everyone can get in and get out without frustrations of, I'm sure, the residents, because it is a residential street. So be mindful of that as well when you go. Um, Be respectful because, again, that's why Treehouse was able to be there. So don't take advantage of those residents that finally agreed to let Treehouse or the town to mm-hmm. have it. So that's a big tip I have for parking. Shannon mentioned just the cadence of how you get your drinks and mm-hmm. your tickets. And again, smooth operating machine. I also recommend checking out their website ahead of time to kind of just look at the cans to go, or sometimes they post on Instagram um, their newest beers that they might have, just mm-hmm. so you kind of have an idea before you even get in line in case it's not a long line. So you don't take up everybody's time of trying to decide from yeah. the list um, when you're in, you know, up at the bar. We also forgot to mention that in the outside area that they added over the off season, there are a bunch of picnic tables and they have kind of like the big sale coverings. So it's pretty shady. Yeah. I love, but, I love that yeah. more than the umbrellas that are individual at tables. There yeah, was then it was, that it was that. really windy over there and it's on the ocean. So it's to be expected. So it was nice to know that like if you were under that, kind of the sail awnings it wasn't gonna just snap on you like an umbrella would there were some we with have, umbrellas yeah. outside of the awning but yeah it was Shin and i have witnessed some beach <laughs> experiences of people getting those cheap you know 
Christmas tree shop or whatever, Ocean State umbrellas and yeah. just not securing them into the sand and they just fly and it's just a giant projectile waiting to impale somebody. So we are very cognizant when we go somewhere with mm-hmm. umbrellas because especially in the winds on the Cape Cod, uh, you don't know when that gust is going to come that could just lift the umbrella up. Yes, but also in that area, there is an Airstream trailer and they sell cocktails as well. So there's another versatile brewery on yeah. the Cape where Amazing. you can get Amazing. both beer and cocktails and when we went there was a the gator uh gator bites food truck i'm not sure how often they have food trucks if it's just because of the holiday weekend or if they're gonna do that on the weekends every weekend in the summer but it was nice that they had a food option they also had deli sandwiches inside that you could order that they get from a local deli which is a great little touch so it was i think kind of exceeded my expectations a little bit and maybe because we planned to get there right when they opened so it wasn't as busy when we first arrived. I think if we'd shown up and it was like a zoo, I would have just been like, let's forget it. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the pictures also online didn't do it justice. Mm -hmm. I think we were both expecting like maybe 10 Adirondack chairs and that was, and maybe a couple picnic tables and that was it. We were shocked at how many picnic tables there was and how many open Adirondack chairs. So they kind of paired, had Mm -hmm. them in a line, but kind of like paired them in like twos from what I could see. Yeah. So you can get, Great views of the ocean outside, oh, but unbelievable. Then also inside because the bar is upstairs, they have an outside deck you can sit on or stand and look out of the ocean. And then it's basically panoramic views from the Amazing. inside bar area upstairs because it just, you know, windows on all sides except where the bar is. Yeah. We'll and post some pictures on our Instagram views. at Double Hot Beat Podcast for those of you who like a visual to go in case you haven't gone on the Treehouse website to look at that location. But that would be my pick if I had to sit somewhere up on the upstairs deck. And again, it was empty when we got there. And had I known that, again, it cuts the wind. So when you're sitting up there, if you don't like a lot of wind, that's where you try and get and sit mm-hmm. on those Adirondack chairs and have the perfect view of the beach, the ocean, and be right there to order. So yeah, the only downside I was saying about sitting up there is that everyone's there's a set of stairs that go from the outside area up to the bar. So on the deck. So if you're sitting out there, you constantly have people just walking by you to go back down or come back up or whatever. So that was just the only con that I could think of. But yes, it was, it was very nice. And they're dog friendly. So at least in the (laughs) outside, there was so many dogs. Um, And again, well-behaved dogs. We like that. Yeah. So that was our, our treehouse experience. Never had a bad treehouse experience. Um, Great spot to check out whether you're going down to the Cape in Massachusetts on vacation or just for a day um, or coming back like we did. Um, it's just a great spot to go. Yeah, and then we also had to go up to Truro and do the vineyard, which is, I think we go there probably every time we're down the Cape now. Because Yeah, of you're location. right. I think every time now we have gone there, rather subconsciously or just, I don't know, because I'm like, I'm not a wine person. And, but they also have cocktails too. But they have too, cocktails, so. so that's where I go to. And they also have their own bourbon and whiskey mm-hmm. and some other um, hard drinks as well. So yeah. Um, and we stopped at Moby Dick's as well. If you're looking for a great seafood spot, mm-hmm. Moby Dick's is always the place we go when we're in Wellfleet. And the little, um, tips and tricks is you bring your own alcohol, 
Um, yes. They do not have alcohol there, which is awesome because it will save you a lot of money on your bill if you're trying to save some money. They have awesome Unless seafood. Unless you order the colossal lobster roll too. <laughs> hey, that's worth it. That's one money well spent. But just a tip out there, bring your, bring your own alcohol if you're going to Moby Dick's on Wellfleet. Yeah. So at the winery, we just did a quick stop in on our way back from lunch and uh, we both got cocktails. <laughs> Yes, we did. Surprisingly, I did not get any wine this time, but I was just, it was a little bit warmer than I anticipated. It was hot. So it was I wanted like to high get, 80s. Yes, yeah, so I wanted to get something refreshing. Burning, burning the sun. And I got the painkiller. And I was supposed <laughs> to get the painkiller, and I ordered the hurricane. And I'm looking around, and Shannon, my brother Hans, and his wife, Francisca, they all had the painkiller that had an orange peel hanging out of their drinks. And I go, the heck mine's got a lime <laughs> he's and like i'm the only one with a lime I'm I'm like, that's because you're the only one without a painkiller <laughs> and then he's like, like no i ordered it i was like no you didn't and i'm like oh wait no i ordered the hurricane which was awesome by the way so that's what i had shannon had the painkiller definitely recommend those cocktails if you're going to churro winery so basically if you go to the cape you can go to the sandwich location of treehouse then stop at hog island which is the outermost brewery on the cape then go up to Turo Vineyards. I mean, you could you literally do, do a beer it. tour of the Cape. You could hit either Knockabout or Treehouse on your way up. Yeah. There's Barnstable Brewing. And then you're he- heading your way up and you have Bad Martha and you have Aquatic. You got a lot now. But I'm just saying, now. if you're doing what we did, you could go to all three in one day. Don't know how, where you'd end up at the end, but. <laughs> the ocean. The ocean. Okay. Well, those are our beer adventures for the past couple weeks. James. I'm kind of excited about today's topic. I did some good research for this yeah, episode. Yeah, and I, I thought it was admit. very interesting things. I mean, I'm everyone knows, well, I don't know if everyone knows, but some people who listen to this podcast know that I'm a history nerd slash I love history. So when you sent me some of these articles, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And they're new too. So like a lot of these, you Timely. can't find new articles out there about homebrewing or just beer in general, like history related. Again, I'm reading... A book called Crafty Bastards. I don't know if I can say that. Crafty Bees. Yes, you can say that. All right. So Crafty <laughs> Bastards about the brewing history in Boston and with, you know, the revolutionary times and how Sam Adams got involved and, you know, all different mm-hmm. aspects of that. So then it got me interested, not for this episode of doing a Boston-based, um, th- that kind of material I think I'll do for next Patriots Day. That might be a good one. Okay. But we'll see. write it down for this episode. I found an article in the Smithsonian about Danish golden age painters and how they used leftover mash from beer to prep the canvases. So at first I was taken aback by this because I was just going back to my art classes in college and how they couldn't give me anything over a B. And I mean, I mean, you've seen my art, so I guess <laughs> I was that was pretty say, lenient. Uh-huh. Uh, and Generous. just painting with painting on canvases, I guess today the canvases are obviously a lot better quality, maybe you'd say, or made out of different materials. Uh, definitely. Yes. Both of those things. So, uh, research. So for this article, researchers studied canvas prep practices from the 19th century artist, Christoph Wilhelm Eckersberg and Christian Schellerkup Kopke. <laughs> Sounds like you're announcing baseball players. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Next up, Christian Skeller Cup Gopi. Number three, B. 
batting second. Batting first and second for the arts program in the 19th century comes Christoph Wilhelm Eckersberg. Denmark donkeys. And Kristen <laughs> Schellergrup. Kobe, again, butchering the names. Pardon my Danish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not called Danish, but that's no, okay. I don't know. But so those artists from Denmark, so the researchers were specifically looking at these artists from Denmark to look for traces of proteins found in the canvas samples themselves. And fun fact, Eckersberg is known as the father of Danish painting, Shannon. Oh, I thought you were going to say pastries. No. That would have been better. Why? Because they're Danish? Because they're pastries. Danish so pastries? You can't eat a painting. Well, I guess maybe these ones you can. But you can't eat a painting. You can eat pastries. So I just thought this was so interesting because typically the researchers would expect to find animal glue or an animal type glue as the substance that they would find. So they did 10 total samples from these artists and found 7 out of the 10 had traces of byproducts of beer. So what do you think hops were in it? What byproducts of beer do you think were in it? I'm probably just going to guess like some yeast and barley or something. Yes, they actually found combinations of proteins that are found from yeast, wheat, barley, buckwheat, and rye. So this led the researchers to suggest that maybe these artists could have used leftover mash from local breweries. And at the time, this would make sense because in the 19th century in Denmark, where these artists were from, um, it was a culture that really thrived around the beer culture because Mm -hmm. water at the time from local rivers and wells weren't that safe to drink. So they would all just drink their beer. So the researchers believe that it's likely that they turned to the off products from beer as something that they have, you know, it's not expensive. Um, Basically the artists would just use what they have to be able to make their paintings. Well, also at the time it was not a wealthy country. And so it was almost like a, obviously this is before the great depression. I know that, but it's almost like a depression error mindset where they're like, we don't want to waste anything. What else can we use this for before we just toss it out? Yeah, exactly. And Kate Hull actually also concurred that it's likely that the Danish culture at this time with the unsafe drinking water would have turned to um, these beer byproducts. Would have turned to using their mash. Yeah. And interestingly enough, these brewing ingredients were only found in the painting samples that they completed between 1826 and 1833. So I thought that was kind of shocking because that's what? Seven seven years? Seven years. Seven. Seven years. Shannon's like (laughs) Harry Potter mind over there. Seven. Seven. Merlin's beard, Tom. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) That's creepy. Oh boy. So, <laughs> where was I? But in history, I'm getting lost. Shan's trying to pull me out of history because of yeah. Harry Potter, who is not does not so a real person. He did not exist in Denmark. There is people named Harry Potter, but not yes. in the context of that story. Yes. You were saying that it, it was found in the paintings only between these times when those two drunkards were at the They're Copenhagen. drunkards? You're calling the, the artists drunkards? 
Oh my goodness. I'm just joking. Oh my goodness. You just insulted the father of Danish painting, Shannon. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be smote in my sleep. And I thought I was the mean one here. Shannon's just, Shannon's just, uh, whew. I wouldn't want to. I'm just saying, if they're doing a lot of painting painting. on the wall with that one, Shannon. They're doing a lot of painting and they're, they're like the people that are, you know, they're like, oh, we're making all their beer. And then they're like, I got to do something with this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just picturing like our daughter, like a toddler, just like taking like spent grains and just smearing it all over like a canvas. I guess if it works, it works. But all kidding aside, so this was actually significant to the researchers because though these two artists and between the time period of 1826 and 1833, they seem to suggest that the same recipe was being used in the fine arts workshops at the Royal Danish Academy of Fine Arts in Copenhagen at the time where both of these had gone. So it wasn't only these two artists were like friends or decided to be like, hey, like let's use, um, you know, these mash byproducts mm-hmm. of beer to use in our canvas to kind of prep it and make the surface smoother for our painting. But it was also like a recipe for the art school to actually prep a canvas. So they started a legacy. So it's like, there's a recipe for your beer. And then they had, they followed a recipe for art using the byproducts <laughs> of the beer. So it's a recipe of the recipe. James is trying to make like beer inception or something. Yes. So <laughs> beer and art are really the same thing because so beer you is art is your beer translation is of beer this. Is art. Okay. It's an art form. And okay. it can be used in art. Okay. Who knew? Who knew it could be used in beer? Who in knew? Art. Now you know. Also. Now you know. Do you have anything else to say on this point, James? Because yeah. there's going to be a monumentous occasion about to happen. No. Okay. Everyone mark your calendars. Let it be known well, I don't know if I want it to be known, but everyone can date that on this episode, 89, I'm going to tell James that he was right. They do speak Danish. It Hold is on. called Danish. Hold on. Hold up. Where's, where's the applause? We need the applause here. So I just want to say. And meanwhile, Shannon's heart's doing beep, 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 beep. <laughs> just going to go on the record and say that I stand corrected. They do speak Danish. I don't know why I thought it was called like Dutch or something, but maybe that's just another term for it. But I will take back that it. That's right. You were right. I was right about history for once. For once. I just got hung up on the pastries. You did. (laughs) So now this other story that I have, or, you know, a unique use for beer. This one really excited me for multiple reasons multiple watch out so you know with gas prices how they are and the electric car market as it is why aren't there any alternative fuels out there to power a vehicle why no we're not going to get into that because there's probably a whole lot of politics (laughs) a whole lot of um it's a loaded question james patents that get bought up and a lot of bureaucracy and we're not going to get into that so so this man in Minnesota created a motorcycle that runs on beer. Beer powered. Drop the mic. How did he do this? So Kai Michelson invented many things in his life so far. Oh, he's an inventor. He's an inventor. He likes to do strange machines and also 
improve on machines that already exist in unique ways. And he's actually won over 70 state, national, and international speed records for a jet-powered wow. innovation that he does. And some of these inventions I had to, I have to talk to you about because I was just laughing hysterically <laughs> at some of these. And I'm just like, oh, this guy's hilarious. Uh, one of those involves a do- hot dog cooker. Um, what, how, what and is... he called it like the something of a chamber hot dog. I don't know. It a was hot too dog graphic chamber? for me to sounds say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he made a margarita maker for a blender using a weed eater motor and a oh, rocket. Man. Yeah. What? Oh, oh, okay. So he had like, like a blender. Like a weed whacker? I guess. I think that's what they call a okay. weed eater in Minnesota. I don't know. <laughs> you Minnesotians. Minnesota. Our, uh, yeah, our buddy our from Minnesota, Minnesota. Nick. We need Nick, a, get your pop out of the fridge. Or any homebrewers out of Minnesota that were just being terrible mass holes to you in Minnesota. We love them because Nick lives Minnesota. in Minnesota, so it's all in good fun. Nick, do you call it a weed eater? I need to know. Yes. Please let us know. DM us if you call Weed Whacker Blades weed eaters. <laughs> <laughs> they can have a weed eater eat hot dog weenies. <laughs> it, just sounds... <laughs> it just sounds funny. Uh... So anyway, he's also made rocket-powered snowmobiles. So that sounds oh, dangerous. Wow. That does sound dangerous but he know but that's probably how he got like 70 re- speed records using jet probably i wonder if he was things. eating using the hot dog maker and the margarita on i don't know the but rocket he's on youtube and so i started watching especially he shows um pouring beer into the motorcycle so basically he has a motorcycle he designed and instead of the the tank that hold, would hold gas it's a ginormous keg so picture a motorcycle, you got the front handlebars, mm-hmm. and then there's a giant keg, and then your seat is behind it. So I'm like, you're kind of straddling a giant keg, but... Okay. I feel like the weight ratio would be off a little bit, but... Yeah, I don't know. I guess it you looks, gotta see it, it to badass. believe it. So check it out. Check out um, Kai Mickelson's uh, YouTube of this yeah. motorcycle. So how does it work, beer. though? Because beer doesn't... It's. I, so, I, I don't get it. So he believes that this is the world's first beer-powered motorcycle powered by a 14-gallon keg instead of a gas engine. So the build, you can see it on YouTube, where he pours beer into this keg, and it's heated to over 300 degrees Fahrenheit, which will then create steam, which then the steam thrusts or propel to move the motorcycle forward. But you're sitting on top of a keg that's going to be heated to 300 degrees? You're not sitting on the keg. Your legs are just... Talk about a hot dog cooker. (laughs) (laughs) This looks like you're straddling the keg. (laughs) Shannon's just picturing your... Your cooked weenies on the motorcycle. <laughs> Maybe that's what he means by the weed <laughs> the weed eater motor. It's a I don't know. It it's a hot dog like... eater motor. Oh my god, Shan's losing her mind, folks. This doesn't seem practical. <laughs> it doesn't seem practical. I mean, I guess like you know to do to cook two <laughs> things at once. I don't know. Is it really is it really worth the ride? I don't know. You live dangerously. <laughs> do you like I to guess. live dangerously? <laughs> yeah. And so they also used so. A lot of questions he's because this has been like a huge news story it's gone nationally and he's been asked over and over what beer do you use in the keg and that was my first question yeah. that popped in my head too because i'm like ooh, i wouldn't want to waste good beer yeah and i'm like ooh, this Is would it- be like really good to start bashing on some big 
beer companies yeah. of like hoping he would choose certain one or the other and just, you know, it'd be hilarious. But no, he ended up going with a beer named Eugene, which is an Oregon-made Ninkowski beer. Eugene? Um, but he says any beer will work. He's oh, like, thank God. I think he even said like Red Bull and some other drinks will work too. So, so maybe next time you have a beer that needs to go to the graveyard, you just ship it to Minnesota to Kai and he can put it in his hot dog cooker bike. Yeah. <laughs> and... I mean, that was one of my recommendations of, you know, if you have bad beer, what can you do with it? Well, if you had a vehicle powered by a beer, yeah. you would use it. But then you'd be wishing that you have a bad beer because then you wouldn't want to drink it. But anyway, he actually hasn't been on a full test drive with it yet. So that oh, was okay. kind of like, so well, I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> so the science works. He says it works. I don't know how far he drove it because in the video it just shows him pouring the beer into the gas. Two feet. But he's won awards apparently for it, like innovation awards. So I'm sure there's got to be some. I mean, innovation doesn't mean it works. I guess. It just means you thought of a cool, could be, would be idea. Well, it's a badass bike. Um, You can say you tap the keg and, well, I guess you wouldn't want to say that. (laughs) What? (laughs) You wouldn't want to say you tapped a keg and then drove a motorcycle. That would just be terrible i um, guess but i mean the pictures it also had two tap handles on like two faucets coming out of the keg so i don't know oh, what that was for or if it was beer. Just, i don't know if it was just left there from before there's aesthetics i was confused maybe yeah i thought it maybe it was aesthetics yeah but i was confused by that bit of the design of the motorcycle but you know to each his own and you know in minnesota the cold nice winter months of minnesota you can drive your beer powered motorcycle down the street down the icy snowy roads Okay, James. So some other home-brewed remedies and oddities that I found for brewing beer or beer in general or brewing ingredients, which some of these actually, in fairness, I have heard on a regular basis. Yeah, I think we've mentioned the first one probably on one of our original episodes, which you should not listen to because... And yeah. I, no, well, I think actually one of our first Instagram posts it was. at the I made podcast a, was yeah. uh, you made a little graphic with yep. a snail I did. and beer can like use your like bad beer to mm-hmm. slay, deter those to snails, slay some snails, slay the slugs, slay this. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Slay the slugs and snails. Slay the slimy slay, slugs. Slay the slugs and slugs and no, I'm gliming. I feel like that was a Simpsons. I I just started to go into that Simpsons voice, which is just terrible. Okay. And you can, so by deterring slugs from your garden, you can use a container of old beer to attract them. What they'll do is they'll climb in the sides. They get drunk. They get drunk on the beer. And they they can't get out. Yep, they can't get out. Just murdering slugs left and right. Very sad. Yeah. You can also use it to treat brown spots on your lawn. So if you have an undrinkable beer, so it's another idea for your beer graveyard. So maybe that's why the lawn behind our fence is so nice. I was just going to say the spot <laughs> where I always dump my, I think I've had five total since we moved here. To- R.I.P. Total R.I.P. beers um, that either came out great and were just like the last drudges of the keg that mm-hmm. I rinsed out. Or I think we had, I think I had two undrinkable beers, unfortunately. And those just, I dumped in the same spot. And it's like the greenest grass. It's like the best patch of grass probably yeah. in our whole yard. And I was just like, well, there we go. Yeah. Using your your beer to get rid of the brown spots in your lawn. And it also is great for 
The fermented sugars in the beer helps grass regain its color strength and also to help it grow. And at the same time, if you have a pet, a dog, a cat that urinates on your yard, it helps (laughs) neutralize that nitrogen. As pets do. Yes. Make sure they don't drink the beer, though. Yes. And then pee. Like... (laughs) What? You know what? If you take your dog out to the bathroom and you've got a huge puddle of beer in your yard, don't let them drink the beer. Oh, yeah. Well, that's... Yes. Thank you for that disclaimer. Yes. I'll tell you, you do stories not... about my dad's dog when he was younger. He used oh, to geez. lick the beer bottles and get oh, drunk. God. Oh, geez. That's that's a story for another time. It is a story for another day. Yeah. Um, James, I would love to know about this other one you have on here called so, Cold Beer Can Massage. So... I found this and I'm like, there's no one crazy. I'm sure people have done it. You know, if you. Oh, I would do this. Have this and you're just like, oh, let me get something cold to like ice pack or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, cold beer cans can make a great massage. It's like a foam roller. Just don't pop open the can right after it. Especially no. going on Chan's back with the can and then I pop it open and just explode everywhere. Is that. And then it would because- exfoliate your skin same time. That's like the whole experience. Why is beer exfoliating my skin? It's the whole experience. Do you know what exfoliation is? Do you know what exfoliation <laughs> is? Releasing the pores and all your sinuses. Okay. No. That no. Part. Okay. Yeah. So people, there's actually videos of people rolling different beers and doing massages to reduce muscle te- tension and swelling. So I thought that was kind of funny that someone like would that. actually like take video of them being like, hey, here's this product. Now let me show you what I can use it for. Rolling I mean, I don't know if I would make a video about it, but. I would no. try it. And everybody's favorite, Bob Vila. Oh, 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 oh. That's not Bob Vila. No, arch That's rival Tim of Tim Taylor. D- Tim the Toolman Taylor. Arch rival for those uh, home improvement fans like myself. Uh, Bob Vila always comes to save the day and has some hint, trick, or tip to try and um, do the best around the house. So his uses <laughs> okay. for beer around the house, other than drinking it, are polishing wood tables, so he says if you apply f- a flat bottle of beer using a soft cloth, we'll leave the wood with a fine sheen. <laughs> Wait, so you're using a cloth around a bottle? No. So what you'll do, you the bottle has to be a flat beer. So he says you don't want carbonated beer. You want a oh, flat oh, beer. Oh, oh, oh. And then you <laughs> Not pour like... a little bit of the beer on a soft cloth. Gotcha. And then you wipe the wood with the soft cloth. But he says- I... Thought you meant the bottle itself was flat, <laughs> and I was like, "Is the flat Earth conspiracy? Like, why is the bottle flat?" Shannon's mind is but in you a meant whole other dimension. Pour the flat beer out of the bottle yes. onto the cloth and clean the table with that. Yes, got you. But not he, like wrapping a f- yeah no. bottle in a cloth. Okay, no. But he does recommend doing it in a spot that you can't see right away to see if you like yes. it, how it treats to the wood. Like you do with any stain or anything. Say, with any cleaner or stain, that's what you should do. But he said, do a small test and it'll give it a nice sheen. Huh. He also recommends that you can use beer to shine fine metals. So if you have any copper pots around um, and you want to buff out those tarnished spots, he suggests beer is the thing to do. That's good to know. I don't know. I haven't tried it. I probably wouldn't try it. Seems like you a waste wouldn't of beer try to me. It? It, would it be flat or is it just regular? No, I think that's just regular. Okay. And rusted nails. So this one I have done and it does work. So for rusted nails, if you can't get them out, um, pour some carbonated beer. So that's the important part that it's carbonated. So beer, if you pop open a can, Okay, bottle. so flat 
to flat get to for polish tables, for wooden tables to polish carbonated to kind of like how you put metals a coke and rusted on a yes car engine and it goes through the engine sure you've never seen that thing advertisement for like how coke is horrible no because it can like it's like acidic Corrode, on a car acidic. yeah yeah well i mean coke's acidic yeah yeah but i'm just saying it's similar sure <laughs> james is like yeah, i don't whatever. know i'm not gonna fact check her so yeah you pour the carbonated beer over the nails to remove some of the rust and that should allow you to get the nails up if you need to so i thought that was pretty neat yeah a that whole was... lot of oddities and we i'm sure there's a lot more weird things people use beer and brewing ingredients for and i know i know we use our spent grains for dog treats we also use them for feed for um yes as everyone has pigs, heard, as everyone's heard a million times <laughs> And also for comp- composting, but that goes without saying. That's kind of like the most common I've seen homebrewers use that stuff for. But I've never heard of someone pouring beer into a motorcycle. Do not do it. You do not have the special motorcycle that Kai has developed. Secret development or secret plans for the motorcycle. Yeah. So I hoped you enjoyed some homebrewed remedies and unique uses for brewing ingredients in beer this week. Better believe it. Yeah, better believe it, kids. Well, I hope this all this helped you in some manner of your life, and you can think back fondly on us when you do it. But <laughs> and if not, well, there'll always be more episodes, so you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about ads. And we do have some exciting news coming up soon, so make sure you're following us on our Instagram mm-hmm. page at Double Hot Beat Podcast. Make sure you're rating us on your favorite podcast platform. That really does help us get new listeners just like you. And it really does make a great big difference, especially since we don't advertise. Um, We're not breaking up your listening experience with ads. Definitely give us a five-star rating. Help us out. And if you are a homebrewer and want to come on our podcast, feel free to send us an Instagram message because that's how the cool people say it instead of DM. Instagram And message. that just reminds me of like we were watching a show and they called the person next to him Boomer. And I'm like, that guy's name's Boomer. He goes, how and does like, he know his name is I'm like, Boomer? How does he know and his I- name's Boomer? And then Shan's just dying laughing. I said, that's what they called people who are older nowadays. That's what the Gen Z, Z or Y or whatever these people are call like our parents. Like baby boomer. Say, okay, Boomer. Generation. I've never heard of that before, yeah. so I was shocked. Yeah. But. Well, another fun fact for y'all. Fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. It is not meant to be an endearing term. It is meant to be an insult. So just keep that in mind if you're going to use it. Anyways, thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Double Hot Beat. We really appreciate it. This, this has, has been, been Double, Double Hot Beat. Beat. Catch, Catch you on, on the Bruce side. side.